What's up, Gator Country? Your man Andrew Swabby back with Nick. And Nick, it was a uh, great senior day for the Gators. Um, I put it in a, in our roundtable on Friday that I wanted to see this team get out to a good start and put uh, South Carolina away early. And that's exactly what they did. It was 21 nothing before you could get your uh, – for some people got their fannies in the seats. And uh, it was it was a game that, that you know, Florida, Florida dominated for the entire game. It was 38-6. to um, South Carolina scored six points on a fake punt that uh, was kind of odd because Billy Napier called a timeout to tell his guys that a fake punt was coming. And, and somehow, some way, somebody still didn't cover uh, the – a fake punt. Uh, South Carolina only had 112 yards in the first half, 37 in the first quarter. Gators dominated, man. That was the best performance of the year. Absolutely, Andrew. And it was, you know, we've been talking about this complete game. The staff has been talking about it. The fans have been talking about it. This is as close as we've seen the Gators get to a complete football game in 2022. Uh, you know, you, you mentioned the special teams. I think that was the only real issue uh, in this game tonight or uh, yesterday, you know, I think you saw Florida's offense freeze just a little bit in the second half, but I think you also have to credit South Carolina's defense who, who kind of started to put it together towards the end of the game and, uh, and play a lot better football. Um, but, you know, Florida put up over 500 yards of offense, 515 yards of offense, 374 rushing yards. That's how you win a football game right there. Just running it down, running it down the other team's throat. Um, yeah, just overall really good stuff from both sides of the football. Obviously, Florida's best defensive performance of the year held South Carolina to just 237 yards, and about 50 of those yards were on the final possession of the game with, like, just a couple minutes left. Um, so really, really, really strong performance from Patrick Tony's defense in this one. Uh, players executed well um, all game long. We saw Trey Dean make plays. We saw Ventral Miller, of course, make plays. Um you know, Princely, I thought Princely uh, played another really good game. I think he's coming off a really strong two-game performance. I, I, I can't wait to see how he graded out on P, uh, PFF. I'm pretty sure it's going to be pretty high. Um, but, yeah, just, you know, obviously Montreal Johnson and Trevor Etienne continue to do, to do their thing. Um, just the ground and pound approach, Andrew, we, we, we've seen it all year long with the Florida Gators, and, and, and it's kind of become their identity of this football team. Just run the ball. Uh, you know, the offensive line has done a fantastic job. Um, and I have not gone back and looked, but I'm almost positive there was not a holding call on Florida yesterday, which means this would be the seventh game of the season without Florida being called for a holding call, which is just impressive. Um, I think in the second half, the, the staff just went very vanilla. It was just like, you know what, we're going to run the ball. We're going to run the ball some more, and we're going to run the ball even more. Um, and that's what it is. Um that, you know, I just think that it's a, uh, um, I think it was an overall performance that um, Florida should be proud of. And, you know, when you look at this, the game in general, um, they controlled it. Like you said, uh, Dean played really well. Three straight possessions in the second half. They get a uh, turnover. Big Dez, man. It like the fridge. Uh, Going to take it down there. Uh, Spencer Rattler. I don't know that Spencer Rattler would get in the way of Big Dez ever again. Uh, he had it. Uh, Torrance had uh, the forced fumble in recovery. Um, I thought Miguel Mitchell played really well in the game. Um, I thought uh, Antoine uh, Powell Ryland played really well. Uh, like you said, Princeling played really well. Um, Amari Bernie, him and Trey Dean have played a really good last half of the season. Yeah. I mean, you say what you want about Trey Dean, and, 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 you know, me and Andrew have been, you know, very critical of him and the entire defense's performance this season, but 
his last three games has have been have been his best three game stretch since his freshman year, right? I mean, he's just been he's been he's been playing really well, even in coverage. He's been well. He's been doing his thing in the run game. Um, and I just want to give a quick shout out to Caleb Douglas. I I was high on him um, going into fall camp. I I watched a couple of the Florida Gators practices uh, in fall camp, and he was the one that stood out to me mainly because he wasn't really talked about much in the Gators recruiting class. He was kind of just under the rug, kind of flew under the radar, but, but, you know, Napier took him and, and let me tell you guys, he is the complete package at wide receiver. Uh, he can block. Um, he, he, he had a key block on ETN's 85 yard touchdown run. He's a very, very good, very crisp route runner. Uh, and he can catch the football. Uh, you know, he had 50, I think he had 50, was it 50 yards? Exactly. 53 yards uh, in the game. And that was with just 141 passing yards and 40 yeah. of those came on the first quarter in the first quarter of the game. Uh, so the, I mean, the guy made plays yesterday. I know he didn't technically light up the stat sheet, but nobody, nobody in the receiving court did. Um, I think the biggest thing for me, Nick, not to cut you off is how, how crisp of a route runner he is. He is yep. very crisp in his route running um, and finds ways to get open. Um, for a freshman to be as good of a route runner as he is, I think shows the potential that, that he has. And, you know, if you remember, there were some teams that was making late runs at him late in the uh, in the cycle last year, and Billy Napier and his staff focused in on him and um, – I believe I have to check, but I believe he was the first offer given out by this new staff too. Um, so it, it, overall, I think Caleb Douglas is quickly emerging as a guy who can be a focal point of this offense moving forward next year uh, with Jaquavion Frazier's. I, I just think the two of those guys um, do really well. Um, and a, again, he knows how to get open. And I don't think that people understand how hard but critical that is. Right. And, and, you know, Caleb Douglas was the first, he's the first Gator receiver to start as a true freshman since Kadarius Tony in 2017. Not uh, bad company. Yeah, not, not definitely not bad company to be in at all. Um, you know, and I, I just think it's incredibly hard to start, uh, you know, in, in college football, especially in the SEC, much less do it, you know, and perform very well, right? I mean, he led the team in catches with three, led the team in yards, uh, had a 27-yard reception in the game, which was awesome, had a very critical third and 10 on the first possession of the game. Uh, if he doesn't get open on that crisp out route, uh, Florida doesn't move the chains and they have to pawn. Um, and, and, you know, and who knows, that could have killed all the momentum, you know? So, you know, I just think incredible performance by Caleb Douglas. I really like what the Gators have with Caleb Douglas. I know Billy Napier is a big fan of him, and Billy Napier thinks he can He's only been playing wide receiver for what two years now. Yeah, he was he's the guy who's played everywhere in high school. Oh, I think you get on a point though a minute ago about the holding calls too. Four to finish with seven penalties for 50 yards. A couple of those um, came on that last drive when the backups were in, um, and I think it was a. Face mask, I believe, and maybe a false st- false start, maybe. Um, but you know, overall, a pretty a pretty clean game. Um, you know, when you when you look at the two teams, and you know, obviously there was a lot that separates those two teams on Saturday. But one of the biggest glaring things that separate those two teams on Saturday was 11 penalties for 82 yards for South Carolina to just seven for 50 uh, for Florida. And you know, I, again, I say it. Was- 
I, the last time I looked before the backups came in, it was five for 35. Um, so that tells you about what they kind of were. And obviously got to count the backups, but still. Um, so, again, I, I just think that, you know, when you're looking at this team and, and everybody wants to judge, you know, how they're getting if they're getting better or not. And I think the results say they're getting better, uh, you know. I, I, special teams touchdowns, special teams touchdown, in my opinion. It doesn't go on the defense. Um, if you count that, six quarters, uh, they haven't a lot of touchdown. Um, you know, you're starting to see Patrick Tony uh, bringing guys, bringing blitzes, and those blitzes are getting home. And those blitzes are forcing the opposing team not to have time to throw the ball, and that's really helping these defenders. And you're also seeing the team, and, and you know, we talked about this all year, this is a team that just goes for the ball. They look for turnovers. And, you know, I, I know everybody's going to say, well, every team does. Yes, they do. But this team has a knack for creating those turnovers, and they've done a very, very good job of it. And, you know, outside of the uh, the turnover by Florida um, late in this game, overall, Florida hasn't turned the ball over. And when you win the turnover margin, you like your chances in most ball games. Right. You know, and, and Florida was working on, they were so close to four straight games without a turnover. But uh, was it Naquan Wright at the end of the game? Yes. yes. On the uh, red zone. In the red right. zone. So he fumbled in the red zone and, uh, and and kind of squashed that. But 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 everything you said still stands, right? Florida's not turning the ball over. They've improved, you know, dramatically since the start of the season. I mean, and, 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 and not, just, not just the offense as a whole, but Anthony Richardson as an individual has improved so much, in my opinion, from game one to now. It simply in his in his like decision making, and, and I still you know he obviously still has an accuracy issue, only 52% completion percentage against the Gamecocks, uh, and 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 that's something that he's going to have to work on moving forward. But I just think he's 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 taking less less risks passing the ball, and and that's why we're not seeing the interceptions. I think earlier in the season we were seeing him kind of panic in the pocket and kind of just lobbing up you know random random throws, and I, I think I think there was one bad decision. Uh, against South Carolina where he threw into you know he threw a deep ball into triple coverage which probably should have been it picked off but I think but I think for the most part he's improving as a decision maker Uh, obviously we would we would all love him to be a little bit more accurate with the football I thought that he had Ricky Pearsall for several first downs um, uh, you know yesterday and and he just couldn't get it done he missed him Uh, and you know that's going to happen he's still a young quarterback right this is still his first year starting Um, but you know he has he does have to improve uh, on the ac- in the accuracy department, especially if the if the Gators are going to try to win out here and, and go and beat uh, FSU in Tallahassee. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest, I guess, gripe I would have is, you know, those crossing routes, he still has major problems of leading the receiver and, and you know, allowing those receivers to make plays. Uh, Ricky had Ricky, you know, three or four times in the second half wide open. Um, you, you know, you have to put it on him. He had uh, Bowman late in the game wide open, and he just, you know, he, he misses. And, you know, I, I will say that, you know, that's kind of kind of what we expect a little bit. And I'm not saying that to be ugly to – to uh, Anthony or anything else, but that that's kind of what we know and and expect a little bit from Anthony is for him, you know, to not be the most accurate guy um, as far as passing goes, but to create things in the running game. And you know, you and I talked about this, I think, until we were born in the face earlier in the year, but we just wanted to see Anthony 
run the ball more. We just wanted to see him be a threat in the running game. And, and that's exactly what he was in this game um, over, uh, well, over 100 yards rushing. When you take the sack yards, he was less than 100. Um, that would have been the first time since 84 that the Gators had three uh, guys over um, 100 yards rushing. But um, still, the South Carolina defense had to respect Richardson to run the ball. And it just allows go back to the ETN 85-yard run. It allowed that linebacker, the middle linebacker for South Carolina, took one false step to make sure Anthony didn't keep that ball. And that one false step was the difference of that linebacker being in the hole and making the tackle against ETN or ETN taking it for 85 yards like he did for a touchdown. And, and it's those little things that, you know, maybe don't show up on the stat sheet that when you look at it, you're like, man, that really was a big play in the game, and, and and that was a huge play, and it was all set up because Anthony was running the football early on. Right, and, you know, you have to credit Anthony Richardson's decision-making on that 85-yard run, too, because he could have kept it. He didn't, right. which is a great call, and, and Napier said that after the game. He said, you know, Richardson made a great call not to not to keep that. Uh, you right. know, he saw the linebacker take a step, hand it off to ETN, ETN's gone, 85 yards to the, to the crib. But, you know... When you look at Richardson, 15 rush attempts for 96 yards. So he was effective in the run game. And what did the other two running backs do? They both put up over 100 yards. Montreal Johnson had 161 rushing yards, leading to one of the best rushing performances in the last 20 years. Uh, 375, 374 rushing yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Uh, six point Average of 6.9 yards per carry. They just dominated uh, on the ground. And, and and, and a large part of that was due to Anthony Richardson's willingness to run the football and keep the South Carolina edge honest. Well, and if you look at Billy Napier's past, that's what he wants to do. He wants to beat you up front, dominate you on the line of scrimmage, and he, and he wants to allow his defense time to go to work. And, and that's exactly what is he's doing. And, you know, you and I talked about this before the season started, and, and I've talked about it a bunch the last few years. But I always said, and, and I say this all the time, is you're only as good as your offensive line is. And, you know, I, I think people I think people don't understand as how critical it really is. Uh, you, you know, I, I go back to Bama, for instance. Is Bama, does Bama any different as far as their playmakers go? No, they still have tremendous playmakers on the field. The difference for them is their offensive line is terrible. And when your offensive line's terrible, your quarterback's not as good, your, your your receivers aren't as good because they're not getting the ball, and the running backs aren't as good because they don't have the holes to run through. And and you, it's a trickle down effect. And and again, um, you know, for all the problems Dan Mullen had, and, and and there was a bunch of them, the biggest thing was his offensive line was terrible. That's what it is. Yeah, and 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 you know, obviously about this a minute ago, but. You know, Dan Mullen's offensive line was undisciplined. They, I think they led the, they almost led the country in penalties, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and, you know, we've talked about it all, all year long, how well this Florida Gator offensive line is doing, not holding people in, in killing drives. I mean, like, and, and I think, you know, you, you can say what you want about the fall starts and because, and, because and Florida's had quite a few this year. I think that, that they would rank near the top of the country in fall starts uh, by any means, but they've had quite a few. Um, but the, the main thing for me is that Florida has been able to work around the false starts. They have not, they have not allowed the five yard penalty to kill their drives for the most part. 
for the most part, it is not, it is not factored. They, they have done a very good job of, of, of picking up first downs. I mean, Florida had 26 first downs against South Carolina to South Carolina's 11. Florida was 9 of 15 on third downs and forced South Carolina just 3 of 11 on third downs. Florida that, didn't I mean, punt until mid-fourth quarter, right? Or was it third was quarter? That? Florida didn't punt until what, mid-third quarter or mid-fourth yeah. quarter? Yeah, they had – yeah, I think it was – Late third quarter would be my okay. I, I would have to go back and look at the. Here, I can give it to you here in a second. Um, I knew it was late that they that they actually you know had to punt for the first time and um right. and I mean again that's that just shows you how efficient and and listen they're the special teams for Florida's got to get better and you know I I will say this I I truly believe Billy Napier will have the special teams better Florida special teams has probably been the worst unit. For this team, uh, and, and again, it was the worst unit on Saturday for this team. You can't have a blocked uh, field goal. You can't have um, a, a fake punt after that. You, you can't have that stuff. Florida's been really bad in the kickoff returns. If there's one thing that I need to see addressed this offseason is special teams. Um, I don't, I don't know that if it's a, you know, a coaching change, a philosophy change, or what it is. But that's the major thing for me that needs to be changed. Right. And and so Florida punted for the first time real quick. They punted for the first time with three minutes and 55 seconds left in the third quarter. So yeah. there's that. But, Andrew, I actually I'm glad you brought that up because that's the point that I, I wanted to ask you about uh, earlier in the season. I think it was like week three. I asked you if you needed if you thought Gators needed a, a special teams coach. And at the time you were you weren't sure you, you, you didn't think that they necessarily needed one. Uh, I want to ask you that question now uh, because I think that the Gators hit, in my opinion, rock bottom special teams wise. I mean, the field goal unit has been pretty, you know, on and off this season. And it was, it was terrible uh, this Saturday. Uh, obviously the low, the low kick got blocked. Uh, I, and I saw that coming. I saw the, I saw the block field goal coming because the kick before that barely got over the, 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 uh, the defender's hands. So I, I had a feeling that one was going to get blocked and it did. And then a bad snap, which we haven't seen much this year, but a bad snap. Um, and obviously we t- we've talked about the punt, the punt defense and, and, and this and, and just penalties and, and everything has kind of just not been good for special teams. So do you think that Florida should hire a special teams, just a special teams coordinator? And, or do you think that they should maybe, cause you know, that, that position might come from the two offensive lines, right? I mean, we, we have two offensive line coaches, which no other team. Has <laughs> so do you take away something that's really working to try to improve something else or do you try to find it in another way? Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Um, you know, I, I say this and, and I, and I don't mean this because I'm, I'm kind of talking out of both ends of my, my butt here when I say this one. And so it's a little, it's a little difficult uh, maybe for some people to understand when I say this, but I don't, necessarily think they need a special teams coach on the field per se um because a lot of your coaches work with special teams when when i say that they work with the upbacks they work with you know the the wedge setters or are the um are the return setters um in the uh in in the kickoff return uh they they uh work with the gunners on punt and on kickoff um i don't want to take away my second offensive line coach, because to me, what we just said, you're dominating up front. You're dominating. You're beating the crap out of people up front. 
that's largely due to having two offensive line coaches and two offensive line coaches that are nasty, but two offensive line coaches that are teaching the same thing but different ways. Rob Sell's more of right. a technical guy. Stapleton's more of a hands-on, like kind of show you kind of person because he played the game. Um, so that's kind of I, I I like the I, you need a special teams coach, and I know they have one or whatever. Um, they need someone behind the scenes that's getting this going. And, you know, obviously if the new rule comes in where they can have an analyst coach on the field, then that changes everything. But I, you've got to make a change. But I think the biggest thing is is it has to become a focus. And I'm not saying it's not a focus because Billy Napier calls it the game changers and everything else to put a focus on it. But it's now got to become even more of a focus. You know, I, for instance, with South Carolina, they could be great at special teams all they want. They suck in the other two, uh, right. you know, on offense and defense. Special teams is not going to win you ball games when your offense and defense suck. It's just right. not. You know, it's, yeah, you know, it, you know, the, it didn't end up costing Florida because they dominated on, you know, in the other two phases of the game, right? So, right. you know, we're but not But you look at that Kentucky that. game and, right. you know, some of those, some of those um, penalties in that Kentucky game cost them now did it cost them the was that the main reason they lost no not at all but it cost them um several plays in that the Tennessee game you know you had two penalties that made Florida have to go 80 yards uh in that game those cost you not necessarily cost you the game but definitely hurt you in the game right and I didn't want to freak anybody out by saying that Florida would would get rid of one of their offensive line coaches because that's not going to happen no, but uh, it, it's something not, would have to happen. I mean, you know, you yeah. you would you would have to you would have to have somebody go, and That's true. you know, well, really I, and truly, it would have to be an offensive line coach because I don't yeah. know where where else you would go. I mean, you got to have a running back coach, uh, you know, and uh, you got to have two DB coaches because one of your DB coaches is is your defensive coordinator, and and the other. Corey Raymond, and you're definitely not letting Corey Raymond go, so it'd have to be offensive line. I just don't think that that's what uh, Billy does. I think Billy tries to address it um, with an with the analyst position and uh, and more focused on it. And I'll say this too, and, and and I'm not I'm not saying this is um to be critical of any players, but it's also a want to by the players, and there are some veterans on this team that maybe don't have that want to about them that want to be great in special teams. And, you know, when you have that problem, you're not going to be very good. Um, you know, you, you looked at it, and one of the one of the biggest things that came out of this game was uh, Xavier Henderson made a key mistake on punt return. He was gone. Ricky came in and was re- returning punts the rest of the game. He was gone. He was held accountable. Yeah. And, and that was another point I wanted to bring up was Xavier Henderson. I, I'm going to take a look at after we stop recording here, and I'm going to put up my uh... – my snap count uh, article, but I, I want to see how many snaps Henderson ran at wide receiver. And, and, and I, I still think he was among, uh, among the, the top there, but he, there were drives, especially on, on that, on that, even on that first drive, the opening drive, when, when Florida was in the red zone, he was not in the game. He was on the right. sideline with his helmet off. Um, Marcus Burke. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I can't wait to see kind of how the wide receiver room shook out with, with two injuries there, uh, you know, and hopefully, hopefully the Gators get Justin shorter back soon. Um, but 
but Andrew, I, I, I like what I, I like what I see from, from Ricky Pearsall and, and Caleb Douglas. Uh, and, and if the Gators could get those two back next year, that's, that's something to work with right there. Is Shorter walk yesterday? He did, right? I can't remember. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm pretty sure he did. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I was pretty sure he did as well, but, um, I know he has that six year, um, if he, if he was to choose that, but yeah, I mean, uh, and you know, Burke, um, has started to take more of the, uh, wide receiver screens. Um, he started to do a lot more of that and, uh, you know, he's a little bit bigger and a little bit more physical. Um, and, um, I, I like that from him. Um, and, and again, I, I like the overall, room that's starting to develop. I have been a Jaquavion Frazier fan since he signed with Florida. I, I thought he was a, a really, really good player. I still think so. Caleb Douglas is another guy that I think is a really good player that has a ton of potential. I uh, will say this too, and it's not a receiver, but it's a tight end. I thought Jonathan Odom was running some good routes. Um, you know, I think a lot of us, including myself, had kind of given up on him because he hasn't played a ton. But uh, Jonathan Oden showed me a little bit uh, in this game. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe he has, you know, has it in him. And the future could be, you know, good for him at that tight end spot. Or Florida's looking and begging for a contributor at that spot. Right. And, you know, uh, it must have felt good for Jonathan Oden, right? He's put his time and work into this program. This is his third year here. And he, and he catches his first touchdown pass. Uh, that was so, his first you know. catch, too, right? No, he had a catch. He had a catch earlier in the game for like two yards. Okay. Okay. Pretty sure. Okay. Yeah, you're probably right. I, don't, I, I, I think it was it was very early in the game. Right. Yeah, he had yeah, two, yeah. he had two catches for six yards. So it, I think it was like either the first or second play of the game. Uh, went okay. for it went for like one or two yards. Um, okay. Just yeah. a little throw in the flat there, but um, yeah, his uh his first career touchdown pass um or touchdown catch um he was targeted three times. Um, you know, just, I, I thought he did, I thought he did some good things in the blocking game as well. Uh, and, and that's kind of what Jonathan Odom is, is going to be known for, uh, is his blocking ability. Uh, Napier is a big fan of, of, of his blocking ability. If you guys remember Ricky Pearsall's, uh, 76 yard, uh, kind of reverse run earlier in the season, Jonathan Odom played a big part in that one, uh, laying down a crucial block up field. So, um, ETN you know, had a good got, block on. He, uh, was it Richardson's run touchdown run? Yes, Could to the be. pylon, to the pylon. Yeah. Oh yeah, Trevor Etienne yep. had a great block um to seal the edge for Richardson to get there. And I think you're starting to see this. And you know, it to me. And again, we could be, we could just be firing it off, and we could be the most homerous people out there. Would call me whatever, I don't care. But you're starting to see a team that's starting to do the little things right. And, and do the little things that need to be there that don't go up in the stat sheet. Trevor Etienne's block will never be in the stat sheet. Ricky's uh, block will never be in the stat sheet. The, the, those are plays that are not in the stat sheet that just go back to show you just how good. Like Anthony Richardson's holding that linebacker on, on, on Etienne's run. The little things are what make you go from a – good football team to a great football team and I, this isn't a great football team yet but they're starting to do those little things that you're you're asking of this team um you know you're not seeing the dumb personal foul penalties um i think the only 15 yard penalty um nick was the block in the back right on the uh on trey dean's return on jordan young right 
Yeah, what are you talking about? This game or just on the? Yes, this game. Uh, well, there was a face. We had a face mask too. Okay. Was that was it a face mask that he got called for, or or did he get called for blocking the back? I, I would have to go back and and look. At yeah, the, it was one and two. But I'm I, seeing I, seven I, penalties for fifty yards. I'm pretty sure there was a face mask involved. Um, right. Because um, I remember overall, our game. Go for it. It was just the complete performance. Um, you know, uh, on on defense, and and I want to talk a little bit about defense because people have been critical of Patrick Tony. You and I have been have been one of those who said, you know, like I, I need to see, you know, what he does when it's his guys. But and I'm I'm being very careful when I say this because I don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. But that defensive line room seems to have some energy the last two weeks. Yep. I'm not yep. saying why. Yeah. You can read between I, the lines. I, I, look, I, I agree. And you know there there was a bunch of people um Kind of saying, I, I saw a bunch of comments yesterday saying, you know, well, everyone was saying, you know, this was a talent issue. Well, what is it now? But, you know, you kind of have to flip the switch and flip the cards as well. You guys were all saying it was a coaching issue. So what is it now? Um, right. You know, it's, it's kind of one of those deals where this team is just playing better football. Um, right. And they're not and, great. They're yeah, not great. They're not great. But but and, and you guys are probably right that the team probably is receiving better coaching, but they're playing better you know, well, and here and here's the here's the counter here's the counter to that, Nick. Are they receiving better coaching? Are they are are, are they taking better coaching? Are are they are right. they buying in? You know, it's a it's a two part thing. I you know maybe Patrick Tony and the defensive coaches are breaking it down a little easier for these guys. Maybe, or are these guys starting to buy in and say, man, if I just listen to what chaos says, or if I just listen to what Bateman says. Or Raymond says, or or uh, Mike P says, I'll be okay. You know, you, you can you can bounce it back and forth. And again, they beat a Texas A&M team that sucks, and they beat a South Carolina team that's not very good. Okay, that's fine. But you're you're seeing finally a team that's taking care of their business. I, I again, this game when Florida, with a talented Florida team that is up to SEC championship standards. Beats his team fifty to nothing. The South Carolina sucks. They're not there. And I mean, I yeah, I I, I mean, we saw. I mean, and, and I guess my my what I kind of want to ask you, Andrew, is is are you see like, you know, Florida has obviously played six six straight great quarters defensively. Um, mm-hmm. and, and are you seeing any major changes schematically, or because to, to me it just it just seems like the team is just playing better football. Uh, the, I mean, the biggest thing for me. Nick is I, I'm seeing Patrick turn turn guys loose a little more to to and he's getting creative with his blitzes, um, but I'm also seeing some of the defensive line finally win some one on one matchups and Princely winning one on one matchups, uh, Powell Ryland winning one on one matchups and and that kind of stuff. Uh, also making plays in the open field. The the first play of the game, Jaden Hill rocked the. Uh, the, the South Carolina receiver when he called it in the open field for a one-yard game. Ventrell Miller flew out there to make a play on Jaheim Bell uh, in the open field. You're seeing guys just make plays. And right. is that a, you know, is that Patrick Tony put him in a better position? I, I mean, I, I think for most of the year they've been in position. They just haven't made the play. Right. And, and, and Andrew, I think, the, I think the right answer is it's, it's a combination of a lot of things why this defense is, is playing better. I don't know if you can sit there and pinpoint, okay, here's the reason why 
Florida's defense is playing better because I think that's, I think that wouldn't be true. I think there's a combination and that's what we've kind of been saying all year. It's a combination of a bunch of different things, a bunch of different factors that we could get into. Uh, But I think for me, Andrew is the pressure is finally coming home. They are finally getting to the quarterback and, and, and that could be due to Patrick Tony. That could be to be due to, you know, you know, just player execution, just playing better football, team morale, all, you know, it could be a number of different things, but the pressure is finally getting to the quarterback. You know, they, they sacked Spencer Rattler three times, um, mm-hmm. but it, you know, he was affected a lot more than that. Uh, you know, they, they, they got to him and, and, and made him get the ball out early and that, and that helped Florida's defense. The one third down that they gave up or the one third down that they gave up that, I, that is at the top of my head right now was that, that the early third down conversion, I think it was like a third and 14 or a third and 17 or whatever it was. Oh, yeah, where they hit the crossing route on third yeah, and, and, and they hit the crossing route. Look, everyone freaked out about that play. I had, I really didn't have any problem with that play. The, the only issue was the pressure just didn't get home, right? It was the right play call. It was the right, it was the right scheme. The players were in position to make, make a play, but they didn't get to Rattler in time. So he had just enough time to sit back there and he made it, he made a really good pitch and catch guys. That was a, that was a really good play on -on one-on-one coverage that, that they just beat Florida in and they beat us because Florida did not get to Rattler in time. So I have no problem with that. Right. If, if you, you know, cause, because that's not going to hold up, the pressure is eventually going to get there. Yeah. And it, and it did. I mean, and, and it caused, caused chaos for, for a lot of the game. Um, and, you know, again, it's a lot of different guys. You know, it's Shamar coming with pressure. Derek Wingo had pressure late in the game when he was in the game. Trey Dean had pressure. Uh, Rashad Torrance had pressure. Um, Des Watson had pressure. Um, it, it's a multitude of guys that are doing this. And, again, is it is it coaching or is it scheme or is it just execution? And I think it's a little bit of all of it. Uh and, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, you know, Billy Napier has talked about, and, and again, I think I like, dominate your opponent. Just dominate who's in front of you. Because Florida could play nobody yesterday but South Carolina. That's the only team they could play yesterday. That's the only team they could beat, the only team they could lose to. It did not matter who was on that team for South Carolina. That was it. And they dominated that opponent. And I think that, for me, is the biggest thing, is they're dominating the opponent up front. They're winning those matchups up front, and it's a huge, huge key. Uh, that atmosphere, too, man, special for senior day. Yeah. I mean, the I was a little bit worried that the students wouldn't show up. They they, they filled in uh, particularly late, but they got there, and it was uh, – the swamp was rocking. Um, you know, definitely definitely a sold-out crowd. There wasn't, there wasn't many empty seats there. Uh, I mean, the students left by the third quarter because Florida was blowing them out, but, hey – you, you know, you take what you can get, right? Um, you know, I, I think they would much rather blow uh, blow the doors off the, their opponent than, than have it come down to the wire. Um, we need to get a Nick Saban rule here. If you don't stay for all four quarters, you lose your season tickets. I, look, I, I'm here for that. I When I was a student <laughs> at, at Florida, I did not leave the, the football games. Um, you know, I, uh, you know the, bars, the bars can wait, guys. The bars can wait. The, the seniors deserved um, – deserved you know you know your full attention for four quarters but but to their point the seniors were out of the game by the third quarter um you know uh except for you know obviously Lorenzo Lingard Naquan Wright uh, getting in there in the fourth quarter for uh for their final Trent time, got in. like most likely uh in a game Trent got in Pouncey got that? in yeah Trent got in and Pouncey got in um yeah. Khalil Jackson got in a lot of guys got in uh Engel got in at quarterback uh, a lot right. of guys Khalil got in. Jackson 
and I meant to mention this earlier, Khalil Jackson was in like in the second quarter of the game. Um, and I think that just kind of goes to show you kind of how thin Florida's receiving unit is right now. Uh, obviously two injuries. Um, and, and behind that is a, is a, is a couple of guys that haven't had much experience. Uh, so Khalil Jackson and, and Khalil Jackson's a good, good football player. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, but you know, walk, walk on receiver having a, uh, an early impact against South Carolina. Yeah, for sure. We got to go to the big news real quick before we get out of here, man. It dropped about midnight on Thursday night. But uh, the kid said, oh, old uh, Ruiz told my beer. They uh, went out and flipped Jay shot at him. He was Saturday. Superstar fans are asking for his autograph and taking pictures with him, um, everything else. Mark my words, Nick. We're going to remember Thursday, the day the tide turned, the day that Billy Napier said, don't mess with me because I'll get you back. And the Gators are going to be fine. A lot of things are cooking behind the scenes in recruiting. A lot of things with guys committed elsewhere are cooking behind the scenes. Gator recruiting is going to be good. If they're not top five, they'll be close to top five in recruiting this year. Uh, Things are far from done in this recruiting class. There you go. There's the there's the quote uh, the quote of the season there from uh, Andrew. But uh, yeah, Jaden Rashada was getting a lot of attention uh, on the sideline, and rightfully so. You know, hi- highly rated quarterback, uh, California quarterback. Um, you know, hanging a lot around Will Norman. Uh, Will Norman, by the way, Andrew was supposed mm-hmm. to be in Kentucky, right, and, and ended up in Gainesville. Yeah, he didn't want to see Kentucky lo- uh, lose to Vanderbilt. Right. So you know, you know, hanging. You know, Rashada was hanging a lot around. Will Norman hanging a lot around uh, Kelby Collins. Um, also hanging a lot around Stacy Gage, which, you know, 2024 running back. Um, so, you know, a lot of things to look forward to with recruiting. And it's definitely, Andrew, it's definitely, it's an exciting time to cover it uh, as a reporter. But it is, I can imagine it's a very exciting time as a fan to kind of sit back and watch kind of what's unfolding in this Florida program. Yeah, I mean, you know, things are, are going really well. Things are, um, you know, in the right direction. Um, you look at where where Billy is compared to where uh, Crystal Ball is. You like where you're sitting if you're a Gator fan. Um, things are things are going to be good. Um, things are getting uh, getting better. Uh, recruiting is getting better. Um, NIL stuff is getting better. Um, transfers are reaching out to Florida, right and left, big name transfers that can play significant time, including a couple quarterbacks. Um, so if Anthony Richardson decides to bolt, um, you know, Florida will be looking for a quarterback. You don't want to, you know, go into the season relying on Kitna or Jack Miller to be your guy, and you definitely don't want the pressure, you know, putting Jaden Rashada, a freshman, as the guy. So uh, you'll go look for a proven quarterback, and um, things are going good. You know, you just need to finish the season strong. I can't stress enough how much winning these next two games and winning a bowl game would be. Finish with nine wins in this season would be an absolute win. Win, win, win. Uh, Florida State, who seems to be on a little bit of a roll. Right. And, I mean, if look, if the Gators can win out, you know, finish the season, if they finish the season with eight wins, they're going to be a ranked football team uh, by the end of the year. And then if they win the bowl game, they're going to be top 20 team in college football. And that's going into next year where, you know, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of uncertainty 
I think is the right word heading into to 2023, simply because we don't know what's happening with Anthony Richardson. We don't know Florida's quarterback situation quite yet. Obviously they're going to have, you know, a young talented freshman, Andrew and, and Jaden Rashada. But in, in my opinion, Andrew, I throw in a freshman out there in the fire, true freshman. That scares, that scares me. I don't like, I, I, I don't like I, it I do. for the player or the team. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't like it for either one of them. Uh, and so, and I, so I still think that the Gators, need it and this is if Richardson does not come back I think the Gators need to go get a one-year rental they need a one-year rental at quarterback they need someone that's you know above average someone that can that can move the football someone that's accurate um and 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 likely someone that that's mobile as well someone that can use their legs and kind of fits Napier's you know play style a little bit more but you you know you you take what you can get in the portal there's a there I I have hope that there's going to be a few intriguing options um in the in the transfer portal at the quarterback position this year uh but you know like I said it's a lot of uncertainty we don't know we don't quite know who the starting quarterback is going to be next year still a lot of decisions made um from you know players on our team and players uh on opposing teams as well yeah there's a lot lot to be there um best thing you can do is and the easiest thing you can do is just be prepared and, you know, have a plan. Because if you have a plan, you know, you, you, you can you can figure it out. And Billy Napier has a plan, and things are going to be uh, just fine. Uh, Gators travel up to Vandy for a nooner in a stadium that will be about half full. Uh, and that half full will be still about half Gator fans in Nashville. So uh, early morning rise, uh, Kentucky um, – Losing to Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt now snapped a 25-game SEC losing streak. Oh my! Uh, I want I want credit. I want credit for for calling out Kentucky. Uh, I said to one of my buddies after after Florida played Kentucky and after Florida lost to Kentucky, I said if you put a hundred dollars on the opposing team's money line every week against Kentucky, you'll win money by the end of the season. And mm-hmm. it definitely cashed when they lost to, to Vanderbilt. Uh, Kentucky, guys, is the one game for me where I kind of just I, – it's it's a frustrating loss for the Gators simply because Kentucky's just not good. They're not a yeah. good football team. We we talked about offensive line and how it can kill football teams. That The offensive line killed the Kentucky Wildcats this year. They're terrible. They're an awful football team. And Will uh, Levis I, is not good either. I don't care no. what people continue to say. He's a first-round pick, first pick, whatever. You're bumping and your I, head. I, I think I think if Florida played Kentucky again, they would win by two touchdowns. I, I really do think that Kentucky, because they're just, they're just not a good football team. Um, they 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 weren't. Kentucky was not a good football team when they beat Florida. Florida just wasn't better than them. Uh, so you know, just 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 that that loss is gonna is gonna kill. Uh, is gonna just end up just. Kind of, it's just the, it's it's the only loss this season that's super frustrating in my opinion. That that it's a frustrating loss. Yeah, I mean that's the one. You know, obviously the LSU game. Right. You just get what, another stop or two. You win that game as well. But well, Nick, we will be back on Friday. We will start previewing uh, Ford of Vandy. So uh, make sure to check us out on the web this week at GatorCountry.com and on social media at GatorCountry. So Nick, we'll be back on Friday and uh, be ready to go. Yes, sir. Looking forward to it. 24 degrees, by the way, 24 degrees on kickoff for uh, for Florida versus Vanderbilt. It's going to be cold. Guess what? Run the football. Guess what? Run the football. Teams won't want to be getting pushed around by offensive linemen. Run the football. Nope. Run the football.